Welcome to Tilly's Trans Tuesdays. This week is a personal little corner of the bigger topic of finding our own representation. I suspect a lot of other trans people have similar things in their lives, but the specific one we're talking about today is pink. The singer, not the color, though, spoiler, I like that too. Tilly Bridges, your host, and I'm joined by my writing partner, my best friend, my wife, our token cis representation, the song that sings the truth in my heart, Susan Bridges. Whoa. I feel like I can't live up to this. Well, you've already have. See? Have I? Because we've been together, and I've said that about you, we've been together a long time, so therefore you're already fulfilling it. You don't have to live up to anything. I am cis, and that is not a bad word. And if you think it is, you've been listening to bad people. I love that that's your catchphrase. It's a good one. There's nothing wrong with the word. Stop being stupid. That's all I mean. Okay. Our guest this week is Melissa Hearn. Melissa is a voice actor, a writer, a project manager, and a neurodivergent late-in-life queer. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. Happy to be here. So um, let's talk a little bit about you and being a late in life queer. What does that mean to you? Um, well, gosh, I think for me, I spent a lot of my life being labeled by other people. You oh, know? yeah. I, I think that all of us have experienced that to some degree. You know, I, as a kid, I was called homophobic slurs. I was called many things. You know, I acted too much like a boy or I sure. didn't behave in the way that other kids did. And I'd never quite understood what I was supposed to be doing or how I was supposed to be behaving because whatever I was doing was wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I learned how to mask in a variety of ways, you know, whether it was how to behave in social situations and or how to just see people of the same gender as, you know, friends, as opposed to potential partners or um, romantic interest. And I, I really just tried very hard to be the most me that everybody else expected me to be. So I wore makeup to as like my armor. I did my hair and I presented myself as the most feminine as I possibly could because I was fighting back against people telling me I wasn't doing it right. Right. And then sometime between, you know, 20s and 30s, I started to kind of explore a little bit you know, it, it was my own sort of late, late rebellion. I didn't have a teenage rebellion phase. I did it in my twenties and thirties after my parents no longer cared. Yeah. And I sort of swung wildly between hyper femininity and um, hyper masculinity in how I presented myself and people never quite understood what, which, which Melissa are we going to get today? And I didn't know either, but it was, there were a lot of times where I'd wake up in the morning. I feel like, oh, I cannot, I can't, stand the feel of myself in a dress or to present as a female I don't want to look like somebody that people are interested in romantically or sexually it was not something that I I wanted to feel or I didn't want to have eyes on me in that way and sure. so I spent a lot of time kind of swinging between those two things and then 
it wasn't until the pandemic when I started to, I think, like a lot of people do a lot of self-examination, what it meant for me. Yeah. I, as you are probably already know, I have a child who is on the autism spectrum. He's both, he's combo ADHD and autism spectrum. And him getting diagnosed was what triggered me to get diagnosed with ADHD, but then also realized that I am also on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that sort of helped me to realize that I've been masking all over the place, that things that I was trying to hide and cover because society didn't didn't approve of it or didn't understand it were really just symptoms of who I was as a person and that I needed to kind of spend time with those and, and embrace them. Part of that too was, you know, looking at my, not only my my sexuality, but my gender representation and what it meant to me that, that I don't have to be some, some, you know, perfect example of a woman that if I'm not wearing a dress that I'm still me and I'm still valid. And yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily need to identify as a woman. And I, I, I do, I feel that way. Like I look back at my childhood, you'll remember like the sex ed classes when we were, you know, sixth, seventh grade, they showed us like diagrams of the, what the female body would look like as it went through puberty and I was horrified I remember seeing that and thinking I don't want to look like that and seeing the diagrams of what boys bodies would look like and that I was like ah, that's more along the lines of what I would like I just want to not look like a gender I just want to look like me yeah so it was funny because I, t- I just thought about that I was like oh yeah I remember that time when I just felt so weird about the idea of going through puberty and what my body would do and you know it was I'm 45 now and my body has definitely gone through a variety of changes and I've come to accept those, but, but it was really kind of telling about how I was just like, I'm not, I'm not interested in participating in any of that, (laughs) but I didn't really have a say at that point. So um, that's really interesting because I, I haven't really thought back to like sex ed or, or that in a while, but I do remember finding out that uh, people who are assigned male at birth, were going to get body hair and all that. And I was like, what? what yeah. where no, no no thank you no 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 uh-uh. so uh, I had totally forgotten about that and that, you know like I say the signs were there maybe that that <laughs> that wasn't for me so yeah. so you describe yourself as gender fluid and so mm-hmm. I think a lot of people who are gender fluid probably have a different experience of that than other people who are gender fluid it's not like trans women like me who even with within trans women we all vary and want different things and do different things but we're all still like trans women. And I don't mm-hmm. think that's quite the same with uh, people who are gender fluid. So what exactly does that mean to you? So for me, it's it's not, so I, I, I feel like sometimes I feel more like a girl and sometimes sure. I feel more like a boy. I, and I honestly don't, like, I was trying to describe this to someone recently. I said, you know, I, I just, you know, there are times where I feel like neither and I don't really mm-hmm. feel like I need to ascribe to any gender, but and my representation kind of varies as far as how I express myself in my dress and appearance varies widely too. And I, and I don't try not to spend too much time thinking about that. Like it, it used to be that I was like, well, I can't possibly be gender fluid because I, I present feminine a lot of the time, you know, mm-hmm. I do makeup and I do hair. So I'm very clearly, I'm very feminine in appearance, but once I started to kind of deconstruct that and realize that that was, a, that was part of the mask, it was part of what I wore to make myself look a certain way so that people you know, perceived me in the way that was acceptable. Right. So now for me, gender fluid means that I can wake up and feel like whatever I want to be and mm-hmm. not feel like it's bad. So if tomorrow I wake up and I want to shave my head and wear, you know, jeans and, and, you know, 
typically masculine clothing, it's not, there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make me any less of who I am. Right. And I think, so I went to a a party in my twenties. It was a drag party and I had never done drag ever. I'd never, I'd known some people who had done drag personally, I'd met them, but they were all, you know, these were all male presenting. They were all pretty straight men from outward appearances. And so I went to this party and I dressed as a man and I found it incredibly freeing mm-hmm. and liberating. And I was like, this is an, an entire side of myself that I haven't allowed myself to express. But everyone that I talked to at that party said, you know, this is a very different side of you that we didn't know existed in how I presented myself and how uh, much more confident I was and how uh I can't I can't really express it like this was probably 15 20 years ago before I had kids but but I just felt a very different way than I'd ever felt in my life and I was like oh this is this is what it's like to just kind of allow yourself to play and be who you are um and so since then you know I've played a little bit more with my gender representation and representation sorry and I just feel like I'm okay not being what everybody else needs me to me to be, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think it, that's um really important. Is the thing too that I try to mention a lot to get through to a lot of people that it's okay to play an experiment with gender and clothes and things like that. But mm-hmm. it, you need to pay attention to how it makes you feel. That mm-hmm. freedom feel that it gave you. That was you know a big indicator. It was like the mm-hmm. first time I. I, I put on a dress and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to float into the sky. You know, it was, it was, you, if you pay attention, if you just mm-hmm. experiment and you pay attention to how you re how your body and your mind and your mm-hmm. feelings react to things, you can learn a whole lot about yourself. So yeah. I'm glad that, that you, you, you had those, those moments and that you've yeah. been able to now finally really embrace your truth. And I think that's beautiful. Thank you. Okay. So Before we get started, I want to mention that I wanted you to be on this episode because you love pink just like I do. Mm -hmm. And so before we get into that, I wanted to ask you, what was it about her specifically that that has uh, spoke to you? Um, So I I think it's a lot of the similar things that you you liked about her was that she she's not your typical super feminine woman. She doesn't sort of present in the way that that I think society is expecting of someone in her position you know she's she's not your madonna she's not your rihanna she's not you know hyper feminine and she's she's not afraid to be strong she's not afraid to be tough she's really bold she speaks her mind she's got nice biceps too she's got big muscles yeah 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 Yeah. and she just she's also like every interview i've ever seen of her she's just so kind she is so kind and she's the kind of person that like if if my kids wanted a role model that you know was somebody who was a celebrity that she she should be that kind of person she's just she's kind and she promotes people and she's her messages are generally one of you know it's okay to be flawed it's okay to to mess up and be the kind of person who doesn't have all the answers but keep trying and that I think is really special yeah I agree and I think well Let's get into to the topic of the week then, because we're going to talk a whole lot about that. So 
for the folks out there, if you followed me on social media for any length of time, you know that I'm a mega fan of Pink, probably mostly because of what I call Pink Fridays, where I highlight a song or a performance of hers on a weekly basis, although I haven't in uh, like a month because we've been so busy, I haven't had the energy for it, but they're coming back, don't worry. But but anyway, I'm a firm believer in talking about what you love and spreading the joy. But what you probably don't know is why I'm such a big fan of hers. I mean, yes, her voice is stunning and I love her songs and all of that would actually catapult her to the top on its own. But for me, there's also another layer to it. I talked a little bit about what she means to me in the Trans Tuesday on the false dichotomy in our society, which was also the very last episode of this here podcast. So you may want to check that out if you missed it as a little preview of what you're getting now. So even though she is a cisgender woman. Pink doesn't often conform to the quote unquote ideal image society expects of a cis woman. On top of that, a lot of her songs also touch upon her struggles with her own identity and who society wanted her to be. And maybe you're starting to see the parallels. She also has a lot of songs that have big F off energy for reasons I already mentioned. And obviously that isn't necessarily true for all trans people or all trans women, but that resonates with me. Because in so many ways I've talked about in a lot of Trans Tuesdays with the way our society treats us, discriminates against us, actively tries to harm us and legislate us out of existence uh, to stand up and say that won't stop me from being me is big, big FU energy. I touched on this a bit in the thread on the new past, which was about finding our own representation for me anyway, in a show with no trans people involved, but that still gave me a piece of my childhood that I could have had. So you may want to check that one out. And so often trans people and people of other marginalized communities have to find our own representation in media because we so rarely are actually depicted or represented. And then many times when we are, it's harmful and damages us. You can see the Trans Tuesday on bad representation for one example of what happens when representation goes very, very wrong. Melissa, I wanted to ask you, how have you found the gender fluid representation in media to be? Have you found many or any gender fluid people making art that speak to you? Um, so, I mean, there's not a lot of representation for gender fluid. I think yeah. there's, there's a few, and I think I know that like Demi Lovato and there's a couple of others, but what I, the, I think the resounding thing is that a lot of people expect, you know, if you're trans, you're going to look X way. And if, if you're a trans yeah. uh, male, trans feminine, you're going to look a specific way, but that's one, that's not true right? You, you can be uh, trans and look however you feel comfortable presenting yourself. And that's exactly. the same for gender fluid. And I think yeah. the problem with, with representation in the media is that people expect those who are gender fluid to look as if they have no gender, that they're, yeah, you know, that or- we're going to be, yeah, it's just that you can't, you know, wear dresses and makeup and still be gender fluid or non-binary, right. like those, those things don't seem to go together as far as, you know, popular expectation. Yeah. I think that's a good point because being a gender and not really yeah. having a gender is mm-hmm. perfectly valid, but it is mm-hmm. not the same thing as gender fluid. And, and yeah. a lot of people out there do not understand the differences and gender fluid people can present mm-hmm. sort of a gender if that's how you're mm-hmm. feeling. That's totally also valid, but it's not true for every gender fluid person. So yeah, I, I think that the the complexities of that, I, I felt like I haven't noticed that like much, if any, gender fluid representation in movies or television shows. Oh, no. So it's got to be tough. There yeah. are, of course, oh, no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, yeah. you go ahead. I was going you. to agree. I was trying to think of, of shows where I could see that represented and I just, I can't. Like it's yeah. usually either, you know, there's someone who is, you know, trans, trans masculine 
but rarely is it gender fluid. I think because it's hard to say, like, because when you're looking at media, they're looking at the visuals of a person. And yeah. so to present someone who is gender fluid, it's really difficult to say, well, this person looks gender fluid and it's hard to create a character visually that way. Yeah. There are, of course, trans artists in music out there. Things are actually really improving in some ways as Sam Smith, Demi Lovato, Janelle Monet, and Halsey have all come out as non-binary and Miley Cyrus has come out as gender fluid. And all of them came out well into their careers, which may mean they only recently figured it out uh, because there's no set timeline for these things. But it could also mean that they only recently got to a place in their careers where they felt coming out wouldn't cost them everything that they had established. Or it could be both. Mm -hmm. But for trans women and men, outside of the indie world, the options drop dramatically. For trans women, there's Sophie, who we tragically lost, and Laura Jane Grace of Against Me, and I bet most people who aren't trans have never even heard of them. I hadn't before I realized I was trans. Probably the most well-known at the moment for trans women is Kim Petras, but none of them get play on the radio in the U.S. You're unlikely to know or have heard of them if you're not specifically going looking for them or a part of queer culture. Kim Petras was the first trans woman that I actually ever heard on the radio, and it was a really big moment for me because that was the first time I heard somebody who identifies the way I do on mainstream radio, and that that's a big moment of acceptance. And yeah, she won a Grammy for that song, but I want to point out that she only got the opportunity to get on mainstream U.S. radio with a shot at that Grammy because the already well-established Sam Smith invited her to sing on that song. Yeah. And for trans men, the pickings are even slimmer. I've never heard one on the radio that I'm aware of. Lucas Silveria was the first trans man signed to a major record label, and that didn't even happen until 2020. And I'm not sure if any of his songs have made it onto radio play anywhere yet. And so just in the course of living our lives, hearing music in public places, on the radio, in movies and television, we come to find artists that speak to us, even if they might not share our exact identity. And that's what finding our own representation is. So, Melissa, I wanted to ask you, have there been singers or characters maybe in books or movies or TV that you identified with or that spoke to you on a really deep level, even if they didn't share the same aspects of your identity? For me, okay, so let me, I'm going to go back real far into the annals. So okay. uh, I remember Legend of Billie Jean. Did you ever watch that movie? No, I have not. I have not so seen it. So it was Helen Slater. And essentially, Helen Slater was a, was not trans. She was not gender fluid in any capacity that you could tell in that at that stage. This was the 80s. So there, yeah. this wasn't discussed. But she was a woman who had experienced a great deal of trauma, assault, et cetera, which, you know, was pretty common in, in film as a sort of a a catalyst for transformation, right? So it was used often sure. as a catalyst. And so for her, she went through this sort of this transformation physically, she, you know, shaved off all her hair, she got a, a short haircut and sort of came into her own power, which was to say that I'm not going to let anyone tell me who I need to be or how I need to be and I'll let anybody hurt me again. Yeah. And that, that character, while she wasn't necessarily trans in any capacity or gender fluid, like her presenting herself in a way that was not typically feminine, I watched her and I was just in awe. I, yeah. I felt how powerful that was to, you know, not need to be presented in a feminine way for the gaze of people who have no understanding of who you are on the inside. And I, that was the first, I was very young when I saw that movie, but it sort of stuck with me forever. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I have something similar to, and so do a lot of people who were Star Trek fans, and that we sort of adopted Jedzia and Esri Dak from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And they were the only characters really that we could see ourselves in in all of Star Trek for literally decades, even yeah. though uh, both are cisgender characters played by cisgender actors. Mm-hmm. Star Trek has finally given us characters who are non-binary and a trans man, but trans women are still waiting. As a brief aside, Dax, both Jedzia and Ezri, though Jedzia more so, I think, were incredibly important to the trans community, and Dax will be getting her own Trans Tuesday at some point. I've had it on my list since the beginning when I started Trans Tuesdays three years ago, but Dax meant so much to me as a kid growing up that I still just haven't felt ready to tackle it. Uh, It'll happen eventually, but let's get back to the cis lady at hand, Pink. So I want to go through some of her songs. I can't play clips because, you know, copyright issues, but I'm going to tell you about ones that mean a lot to me and, and give you a sample of some of the lyrics that really speak to me. So I could tell you how her song, I Am Here, feels like being seen as myself and wanting to be seen for the first time in my life, taking up the space in the world that I deserve to inhabit, no longer content to hide in the shadows. I want to be seen and known and loved for me. I am here. I've already seen the bottom, so there's nothing to fear. I know that I'll be ready when the devil is near because I am here. All of this is wrong, but I'm still right here. I don't have the answers, but the question is clear. That's really transy to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I can tell you how her song, It's All Your Fault, feels like a song from pre-transition me talking to the first time I really saw myself in the mirror and how I didn't want that lady to leave, but was terrified to make her real. It's all your fault. You called me beautiful. You turned me out and now I can't turn back. I hold my breath because you were perfect, but I'm running out of air and it's not fair. I'm choking up a little bit. These songs mean so much to me. I could tell you how her song Try Too Hard encapsulates the shame and anger and self-loathing I felt at pretending to be someone I wasn't and not knowing why or how to break out of it for so long, for so, so long. Everything you are, everything you say, everything you do is not for you. Everything you feel, everything you know, you found it on your favorite TV show. Because everything you want, everything you do, you try so hard to be everyone but you. Everywhere you turn, you just got to learn. It's easier if you don't try so hard. I could tell you how Don't Let Me Get Me in ways both literal and metaphorical is a pretty perfect example of the inner turmoil I felt at being trapped in a world I didn't understand and never asked for. Every day I fight a war against the mirror. I can't take the person staring back at me. So doctor, doctor, won't you please prescribe me something a day in the life of someone else? Because I'm a hazard to myself. Don't let me get me. I'm my own worst enemy. It's bad when you annoy yourself, so irritating. Don't want to be my friend no more. I want to be somebody else. That one hits me every time. Right? I just, oh my God, it's, yeah. And one of her brand newest songs, Trustfall, I could tell you how it's the moment of the leap into embracing your true self, throwing yourself over the edge and believing that you'll fly. It's the moment you decide to transition and become the real you that you've always been inside. We've been running for our lives. We've been hiding from the light. We've been far too scared to fight for what we want tonight. Close your eyes and leave it all behind. Go where love is on our side. There are more than just these, a lot more, but these are the big ones. In the thread on false dichotomy, I mentioned how her beautiful trauma tour changed my soul. And it did. 
not just from getting to hear her voice live and not just from being close to the stage and not just because I'd never seen one of her concerts before and didn't know the explosion of art and love and inclusion that was about to be injected into my veins. Uh, Melissa, I wanted to pause here for a second just to ask if you've gotten to see Pink live. Not yet. I haven't. Um, oh. I've been talking about trying to buy tickets for October. Yeah. I think she's going to be in Washington for my birthday, but they're like a thousand dollars a ticket for oh close enough to see her. And yeah, if otherwise it's the nosebleeds. And I was like, I, I, I feel like I need to be there and feel present. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm still sort of looking. I may end yeah. up traveling to go see her, but I really want to. Yeah. The times that we made it, if you look, uh, Ticketmaster is awful, but they do resale tickets, right? And if you look mm -hmm. kind of close to the stage, as you get closer and closer and closer and people can't go and the tickets haven't moved, the prices drop dramatically. And the second time Susan and I went to see her, we were in the sixth row and those seats were only a hundred bucks each. We bought them like the day before we went. Oh my so gosh. Um, yeah, keep an eye on that because they the might- The out from up. the other time when we paid like a ridiculous- They were 300 so, each that time. No, they were more than No, they were not. Well, let me ask you, Susan, because you went with me to the, the two times that I've seen her live. What was it like for you? Because I know you don't have the same sort of gender issues that I have or Melissa has or that a lot of trans people have. So did it speak to you in the same way? How did you, how did you feel seeing her concerts? Well, I think I don't have those particular issues, but I do have longstanding body issues. Mm -hmm. And that's our society and women, right? right. Yeah, um, and, yeah. And, you know, basically tortured by my mother about mm -hmm. how, you know, if you're fat, you're worthless and dealing with that, like my whole life and still dealing with that. And also because I have this autoimmune disease that affects my joints, which yeah. I was diagnosed with in my 20s I've never had like it's been a constant barrage from health professionals telling me to lose weight lose weight lose weight lose yeah. weight you're not okay because the they think that's just what's going to solve everything and because yeah. of that I eventually developed a complete anxiety disorder yeah and depression and oh babe all of those things just because like and it is a real fear I mean there's a lot of fat phobia in the health yeah. uh sector and so you know at this time, like my income supports our whole family. And so I'm yep. like, what if something serious happens to me? What if I go to the emergency room and some doctor thinks I'm too fat to save? Mm -hmm. So these are things that I like worry about all the time right. that I can't possibly feel accepted how I am because there is no one right. who accepts me. So it is still an empowering message, I think, in that way, Yeah, in that you are worthy how you are yeah and there's a lot of that still so yeah. not to make it all about me no i asked you you are a co-host yeah. here to share your experiences know, as well but it is it's a difficult thing yeah well on on the last tour which is when we saw her twice because it was a very long extended tour there was an extended moment during a costume change a video with a voiceover about a conversation she had with her daughter there's a version that you can find online if you go to the social media or Google Doc versions of this, it will be linked so you can see it that someone recorded from the concert, if you want, rather than just hearing me read it out. But that's what I'm going to do right now, because I think it's really important. Recently, I was driving my daughter to school, and she said to me out of the blue, Mama, and I said, yes, baby. She said, I'm the ugliest girl I know. I said, huh? And she was like, yeah, I look like a boy with long hair. And my brain went to 
oh my God, you're six. Why? Where is this coming from? Who said this? Can I kick a six-year-old's ass? But I didn't say anything. And instead I went home and I made a PowerPoint presentation for her. And in that presentation were androgynous rock stars and artists that live their truth are probably made fun of every day of their life and carry on and wave their flag and inspire the rest of us. And these are artists like Michael Jackson and David Bowie and Freddie Mercury and Annie Lennox and Prince and Janis Joplin and George Michael, Elton John, so many artists, her eyes glazed over. But then I said, I really want to know why you feel this way about yourself. And she said, well, I look like a boy. And I said, well, what do you think I look like? And she said, well, you're beautiful. And I was like, well, thanks. But I said, when people make fun of me, that's what they use. They say, I look like a boy, or I'm too masculine, or I have too many opinions. My body is too strong. And I said to her, do you see me growing my hair? She said, no, mama. I said, do you see me changing my body? No, mama. Do you see me changing the way I present myself to the world? No, mama. Do you see me selling out arenas all over the world? Yes, mama. Okay, so baby girl, we don't change. We take the gravel in the shell and we make a pearl and we help other people to change so that they can see more kinds of beauty. And you, my darling girl, are beautiful and I love you. That video is when I knew I could transition all the way, that it would be okay, that I could be me and exist and be happy and be loved. And it wasn't me who was wrong for wanting to live my truth, but those who wanted to hold me back. And I knew that, of course I knew it. I'd have fought for any other trans person to have that right. But my own internalized transphobia kept me from applying it to myself up until that moment during her concert on that night. There will be an internalized transphobia Trans Tuesday coming up. But then it was followed by another little video package, which is something that I believe with every inch of my being. A long time ago, I decided that no matter where I went or what I did with my life, I was always going to be very true to myself. I've always identified with people that struggle. Just being able to help people, that is the stuff that keeps me going. We all want to be loved. We all want to be protected. We're all pink on the inside. We all bleed red. We all cry clear tears. We all put one foot in front of the other. We want to have faith in our world. I think a lot of women are afraid of the word feminism, and that's a shame. I'm not afraid to be a strong woman. This is how you were born. I wish for women to stop apologizing. I'm grateful if I've kept one girl from feeling different or ugly or unempowered. You have to fight for rights, respect, and love and compassion, and you have to be willing to die for it. With all the strife and economic woes in the world, religious intolerance, global warming, it boggles my mind that we're spending time, energy, and money trying to ban love. I don't want there to be gay marriage. I just want there to be happy marriage and lasting marriage. I think the human experience shouldn't be covered up. I think it should be lived out loud. I see in other people the truth that's happening and I want them to feel comfortable being that. The music alone is going to keep me going. I've owned and embraced my integrity and I feel like I still have a lot of fight left in me. We've been failed by our government. There are a lot of people that feel forgotten and invisible and made to feel less than unwanted and unloved. And it hurts my heart, makes me very angry. I will do everything I can to open people's hearts, ears, minds, because I'm not going anywhere. I've seen change and I have to believe that change is possible because if I stop believing that, then it's just a little too much for me. So I have a pen and I write. I write about that. And that led right into my previous favorite song of all time, What About Us, which has touched me in so many ways and is about how we're all connected as humans and how we all deserve so much better than our society gives us. 
We are searchlights we can see in the dark. We are rockets pointed up at the stars. We are billions of beautiful hearts and you sold us down the river too far. What about all the times you said you had the answers? What about all the broken happy ever afters? What about all the plans that ended in disaster? What about love? What about trust? What about us? And then in 2021, between studio albums, she released her first live album, which included two new studio tracks, one of which is All I Know So Far. And that song spilled my heart all over the world for everyone to see. This is the part that gets me the most and just rips me open. I haven't always been this way. I wasn't born a renegade. I felt alone, still feel afraid. I stumble through it anyway. I wish someone would have told me that this life is ours to choose. No one's handing you the keys or a book with all the rules. The little that I know I'll tell to you when they dress you up in lies and you're left naked with the truth. That line, oh my God, every time it kills me. <laughs> I listened to that song on repeat during my run the day it came out. I couldn't turn it off. It was this cathartic release of so much trapped inside. And I was crying real tears and there were a lot of them in the middle of my run and I couldn't stop listening or running. I pushed and pushed and it hurt and it helped and the world was beautiful. I don't know if I'd be where I am now without that moment during her concert, but I did get that moment and everything that came with it. And here I am, she changed me. She shared her art and her creativity and her pain and her love with the world with me and it helped me in ways I can't even fully vocalize. She helped me transition, helped me become me. So to Pink, I say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Words will never be enough. And thank you for being here, Melissa. It was so great to have another huge pink fan to nerd out with. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Tilly. It's so fantastic. I think I just, I want to say one final thing, which is that over the pandemic, I've had six or seven friends come out as trans people that I have known either very close or in peripheral. It's it's a pretty large number. And that was a large part of, of allowing me to kind of be who I am. Because yeah. I could see, you know, you and others being so brave and so strong. And when it's, it's hard and it's scary and you know that you're, you're facing a great deal of opposition from, yeah. you know, from all over and you're still who you from are. From a bunch of dummies. From a bunch of dummies. <laughs> and I'm just, you know, I was so impressed and so inspired. And I just want you to know that I think you're fantastic. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. And, you know, I've, I've said it before and it's still true and it will forever be true in that the more of us that come out and mm-hmm. are proud to be out and proud to be who we are and live our truth and show our joy, it helps others do the same. And that's one of the most important things that we can do. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And as my final thought, let me just say to everyone else out there creating, no matter what it is, you're putting yourselves out there, please keep it up. You never know whose life you're going to touch. We need you. We need each other. We're all we've got, and that's all I know so far. Tilly Bridges, end transmission. Tilly's Trans Tuesdays is hosted by Tilly Bridges and Susan Bridges, with audio editing and sound mixing by Julian Morgan. Special thanks to Daisy and Jane for the use of Sorry Not Sorry as our show's theme music. Please stop by and show your support at daisyandjane.bandcamp.com and soundcloud.com slash daisyandjane. 
You can find me at Tilly Bridges on Twitter and Hive, on Mastodon at Tilly Bridges at Mastodon.social, at Facebook.com slash Tilly S. Bridges, and on Insta at Heck Yeah Tilly Bridges. And you can find Susan on all of those at Susan L. Bridges. The Google Doc and social media versions of this week's topic and all past topics are available at TillysTransTuesdays.com. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.